And welcome to the conclusion of our series, uh, The Rhythms of Grace, which is an unusual series for me. In fact, so unusual. I've never preached on this topic ever before. And uh, I don't know how many of you have ever heard this preach before. Not by me, that's for sure. But we're talking about the rhythms of grace, or in particular, the rhythms of, of rest and work. And it's, we base this off of this verse in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus saying this to his disciples, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, which I find unusual that at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he's teaching them. He's calls a big huddle, guys, I'm going to teach you something. And I'm anticipating they're, and you know, they're thinking that he's going to teach them how to do miracles, how to preach, how to, how to connect with people. But he says, no, guys, come here, come here, come here. Come here. I'm going to teach you how to rest. Probably caught their attention a little bit. What do you mean rest? He goes on, he says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And they did because we're reading, you know, the accounts that they wrote, a lot of these disciples wrote. We're reading them 2,000 years later, and they didn't just document what Jesus did or what Jesus said or the miracles that he performed. They documented the fact that he would withdraw from the crowd sometimes and rest and reconnect with God, that he needed to be re-strengthened. They, they documented that multiple times. And, you know, it, which is interesting. It was part of the rhythms of grace that he was, you know, watch how I do it. Learn how I do it. Because he says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms, that's our word, rhythms of grace. Now, that word is kind of captured my attention and kind of captured my conviction, to be honest. This is a series, and I don't do that. I don't do this hardly ever at all. I don't preach on something that God is messing with me on in the moment, especially when he's messing with me this hard. Um, he's kind of rattled my cage a little bit, and I'm sharing with you revelation as I'm getting it, which is unusual for me to do. Typically, I like to go through all that stuff, get all the, the bruises healed up, um, <laughs> And, and, you know, get revelation and then maybe share a revelation that I got. But not often do I share right in the moment. And the thing that God has kind of captured my attention with is this word rhythms. And I realize that in my own life, my rhythms have been irregular. And if you have an irregular rhythm in, rhythm in your heart, you are in trouble and you need immediate help. And I, felt, I feel like God is kind of shaking me a little bit and says, you've got an irregular rhythm in your life and you need to get some help you need to get this sorted out and I begin to realize that as I've been focused on this that I'm realizing that most of my struggles if not all of my struggles that I deal with in life and I go so far as I'm wondering and I'm wondering out loud if the weirdness and the craziness of this world. Anybody think that the world is a little crazy? I mean, I say that. I say that all the time, and then, you know, next week happens, and it's like, it's crazier. <laughs> it's not getting any uncrazy. But I'm wondering if the struggles of our world, because this is what God's working with me on, is that my own struggles, relational struggles, emotional struggles, Financial struggles, moral struggles, 
physical struggles are because I've neglected God's rhythms. And I wonder how much of the struggles in our world and how much of the struggles, if I dare, in your life have, have to do with irregular rhythms when it comes to work and rest, walking with God, working with God. I wonder how much of those struggles are, are that the real issue, the core issue, is irregular rhythms. That we often, we often treat symptoms, don't we? If we've got physical issues, we, treat, we go to the doctor, we get, we get prescriptions, we do whatever to treat the symptoms. We have emotional struggles, we treat the symptoms. We get mental struggles, we treat the symptoms. We get financial struggles, we focus on treating the symptoms. But I wonder if a lot of our struggles, if the core issue, and this is what God's been dealing with me on, is the core issue, the struggles that I, that I battle with come down to these irregular rhythms. And in this series, I've been in particular focused on the rhythm of work and rest and focused on that whole rest part, <laughs> which I hate. I'll be honest, like I'd rest, ugh. Like I, I'm not very good at it and this is part of what God has been kind of arresting me on is the whole idea of rest. And in particular, I grew up in church. I grew up hearing about the Sabbath is the day of rest. But I gotta be honest, when I started studying again the Sabbath and this whole idea of rest, I gotta be honest, what I've discovered through scriptures and in, through my own convictions, I never knew, I never, get taught, I never got taught, and so I'm processing this with with you guys, uh, we started in Genesis chapter uh, one and two. God creates the heavens and the earth. God creates all of creation. Day seven, God rested. And we wonder, like, God didn't have to rest. God didn't need, he wasn't tired. God didn't need to rest. God doesn't need to rest. We just sang, he never stops working. That's our God. Like, he, he, doesn't, ever, he doesn't need to rest. But he didn't rest because he needed it. He rested because... We need it because he was creating rest. He was creating a rhythm. He established that rhythm with the nation of Israel one month. We discovered this in Exodus chapter 16. One month after they were free from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, God introduces Sabbath. And the first time we hear about Sabbath is Exodus chapter 16. When God's giving them, they cry out for food and and. And God gives them miraculous food, manna from heaven every single day. He gives them quail because they wanted meat. Come on, this, that's spiritual. This is in the Bible. Anyway, that's just my opinions. <laughs> um, but they, they create, God in the midst of that says, I'm going to provide food for you six days and I'm going to withhold providing for you on the seventh day. And he instructed them, I'm doing this to test you. Right? And he says, and he says, I'm gonna, do you trust me that I'm gonna provide enough on day six to sustain you without that provision on day seven? And of course, they didn't trust him. And Moses had to rebuke them and say, you know, you guys, what you're doing is this is not right, this is not good. God told you, you know, uh, you, you got to get, get right because they're establishing rhythms. And oftentimes, come on, we, we can easily point our finger at the Israelites and the Pharisees, anybody else, point a finger at them going, man, those stupid people, until you realize that you is one of those stupid people. 
<laughs> and God gave me rhythms, and I'm, he gave me instructions, and I'm, yeah. I'm an Israelite. <laughs> I don't listen. So God tells them again. And the second time God tells and brings up Sabbath is Exodus 20. We looked at this last week. He made it a commandment. He gave it to them as a suggestion. They didn't follow through. Moses, who had to rebuke the people for not following through, got rebuked by himself, you know, in Exodus 18 by his father-in-law. Isn't that always where God speaks is, is in your family first? Especially about rhythms, what you're neglecting and how you're working too hard and all that. Anyway... Um, but Moses gets rebuked. Exodus 20, God creates, you know, a commandment, the fourth commandment, and he says, you know, the Sabbath is, became a thou shalt. It became a commandment, a rule. And God wasn't done yet talking about it. And I've, again, reading the book of Exodus, I hadn't really focused on how many times God brought it up. I hadn't focused on Sabbath at all because it's my least favorite topic. I didn't focus on it at all. I didn't realize how many times in a short, condensed little book that God brings up Sabbath. But here's he brings it up again. And in Exodus 23, he says this, For six years you're to sow your fields and, and harvest your crops, but during the seventh year... Uh, let the land be unplowed and unused, which I would have been at that time, like, time out, God. You don't, you don't realize, like, maybe you forgot, but our whole entire food source is based on that land, and all of our income is based on that land, and you want us to take an entire year and not profit from that land? Now, you have to remember, today we know how soil works, and we've got science to discover on, on you know, how minerals are depleted and how soil works and needs to be replenished. We understand that, and this makes sense to us. But to them, this didn't make any sense. They didn't know how soil worked. They didn't have the science we have today. They didn't know that... that Taking a year off would be good for the soil and would allow them to produce more in six years than they could in just continual cycle. They didn't know that. All they knew is God said, hey, no income, no food for a year. And they're like, wait, time out. How are we going to survive? Which, which brings us back to one of the main points that I've been trying to make in this one, this main revelation for me, is that Sabbath isn't about, and rest isn't about stopping and holding. That Sabbath, and we learned this in Hebrews, is about pulling us towards God's goals, and that Sabbath actually is about trust. And that when God told them, and Tess said, I'm going to test you in this, told them to take one day off a week, that was a trust reset. That was something that they had to, to do in order to trust God. And then he says, okay, let me tell you again, trust me, every seventh year I want you to take off. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a matter of trust. Do you trust that I am your supply? Do you trust that I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory? Do you trust that I'm going to provide enough for you in six years that will sustain you for the seventh and that I will prosper you beyond what you would do if you got out of these rhythms? Do you trust me? And then God says in the very next verse, six days... Do your work, but on the seventh day, do not work so that your ox and your donkey may rest. To which 
I was an Israelite going, why do they need to rest? Come on, come on. And then, and then it gets worse. It gets worse. God says, so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. And it's worse because they had just spent 400 years as slaves and ain't nobody gave them a rest. Bad English, good point. Right? Nobody gave them a They had 400 years. They worked 24-7. Slaves weren't given days off. The only day off you got is if you were dead. Right? Slaves don't get a day off. No other nation in the, around them, nobody ever gave the slave a day off. This was countercultural. This was something completely different. And God's saying, I want you to take a Sabbath, not just you, but your animals and your slaves and your foreigners, everybody at community rest. And then God says, so that among you, you may be refreshed. I love how whenever God gives a command, I love that he's not, he's not just up there saying, you know, because I said so. Or, you know, I'm the big guy, you should just do it because I said so. God doesn't do that. Whenever God gives us instruction or gives us command, he always attaches the purpose or the why to it. And here he gives the why and saying, you'll be refreshed. This, is, this was a gift given to the entire nation for the purpose of their physical and emotional health. Refresh. And God wasn't done talking about the Sabbath. Like, you think the commandment would be enough, and you think, okay, seven years, and God, God's not done talking. In Exodus 31, he brings up, um, he says this, God spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites, above all, keep my Sabbath." Now, I got to tell you, when I read this, I was like, what do, you, what do you mean above all? Because, listen, above all, if um, we put this into context, this is the book of Exodus, in which the book of Exodus is the first time God is setting up Israel as a nation, and, and, and he's setting up Israel as a nation. He's starting to set up a whole bunch of rules. He gives them instruction to the degree of what color of thread to put into the temple curtains. and to so, Like, he gives all the, all the instruction, all the things that they should do. Like, they've been just starting to list all the instruction, including the Ten Commandments. And then he says, above all of those instructions, including the other nine commandments, above all, keep my Sabbaths. Which I'm like, no, no, time out, God. I think murder... would kind of trump this, you know, day off thing. Lying, come on. Adultery, come on. Coveting, come on. How about having no other gods before you? Could that trump that? And he's saying, no, no, no. above all, this one. What? Above all, keep myself, why? He gives us the purpose again. The sign between me and you, generation after generation, to keep, here's the purpose, the knowledge alive that I am the God who makes you holy or set apart. The purpose is to keep the knowledge that somehow there's a reset of of trust, there's a reset of connection and relationship with God. There's suddenly there's a reconnection saying that no, I am God, I am still God, I'm I'm your God, I'm your supply. 
I'm making you set apart. I'm calling you. When I read this, this is, this is my conviction. Because it's so easy in my workaholicness, it's so easy to, and, and leadership and my calling, to, it's so easy to rely on, you know, and I'll give credit to God for, for talents he's given me and I give credit to God for, for you, know, you know, skills and, and all those things. But I also give credit to myself for knowledge I've read and, and things that I've applied and experience I got. And it's easy for me to rely on my own gifts, my own knowledge, my own talents, my own skills. And, to, and, to, and the reason I know when I'm doing that is when something doesn't go right, the first thing I run to is a book. looking for more knowledge or more skills to be able to solve that problem or whatever it might be. And I went, wait a second. God's saying right here, I gave you this Sabbath. I gave you this rhythm as a way to keep the knowledge that I am the one who set you apart. I'm the one who called you. I'm the one, I'm the one who's, who's equipped you. I'm the one who's providing for you. And that this is part of the rhythm. Above all, keep this. Because if you keep this, the other ones are going to fall in line. And it says, keep the Sabbath, the day of rest. Keep the day of rest. It is holy to you. Anybody else find this strange that God talks so much and in such spiritual commanding ways about a day off? Like, that's just weird. It's weird for, I mean, might not be weird for you, but it's weird for me. I'm like, there's a lot of other things, God, you should probably, you know, maybe prioritize. He, he says it again, brings it up again. Exodus 34. Six days you shall labor, and the seventh day you shall rest. Okay, God, we've heard this. Then he says this, even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Because God even acknowledges that we're going to have busy seasons. And it's almost like God is addressing their excuses before they even made the excuses. Been going, yeah, no, but God, it's harvest time. You know, it's like, you know, we've only got so much time. We've got to get the crops off. You know, the weather's been spotty. It's, like, it's, not like I, it's not like it snows every Sunday for... <laughs> Wait. <laughs> But when we got, we got to make hay when the sun shines, you can almost hear that. And God's saying, hey, even in the busy seasons, even in those times, you need to make this a priority. I'm like, okay. And I realized, I realized that it takes more discipline and more effort for me, not, I'm not, this is for me, to rest it takes more discipline and more effort to rest than it does just to keep working. And then I read this quote by Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. He said this, and this one convicted me hard. Six days a week, we seek to dominate the world. On the seventh day, we try to dominate the self. Huh. I realize I have a natural tendency to make excuses as to why I can't or can't afford to or don't have time to, and that I drift towards bad habits naturally. 
And then I also realize that when I get out of the rhythms that I drift more, it just becomes this, this cycle. Drift more to bad thinking, bad habits, and just becomes a perpetual thing that doesn't stop. And it takes effort and discipline to reset. And this only happens through rhythms, healthy rhythms. God wasn't talking with the Israelites yet. He, that was enough. He says in Exodus 35. This is the seventh time God has brought this up in just the book of Exodus. Seven times. He says this. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community. By the way, come on. That's three to six million people. That takes a little bit of effort to gather that. Come on, can you imagine if the mayor called all of Lethbridge and said, hey, we're going to gather together. We're gonna, you know, they would be like, that would take some effort. Yet Moses gathers the entire three. That's not three to six million in Lethbridge. He gathers three to six million people and says, we need to have a meeting. To which they're saying, if you're going to take the effort to have this kind, all of us gather together at once, this is gonna, you're putting that effort, this has got to be important. So they're sitting there listening. What's Moses going to say? What's Moses going to say? And then he says, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do for six days work. And as soon as he starts for six days, I can hear the entire crowd go, ah, again? We've heard this six times. Right? You had to gather us all together for this? Six days work to be done. The seventh shall be holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Moses, we've heard this. Moses, this is the fourth commandment. You've already written this, you've written this down. We've got it on stone. We got it. You had to gather us for that? Yet seven times God brings it up. Why? Because this is important. And it's almost like, it's almost like God had to repeat himself. Like I have to as a parent with my kids. Anybody else, are you so gifted as a communicator that you can say it once and your kids listen? Because if you have figured that out, could you please come talk to me after it? I'd like to know your secret. And it's almost like God has to repeat himself because, listen, <laughs> This isn't natural. We don't get it. We don't listen. And here I am reading the book of Exodus, reading through this and reading the Sabbath again. I was like, okay, convicted. And here's what I, here's what I understood, is the reason why I've been so resistant to the Sabbath is because I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And I want to sum up our series this way. This is, this is my revelation on, on rest and the Sabbath, Sabbath being the day of rest. I used to look at rest as just a four-letter word in all the negative connotations with that. And looked at rest, and the reason I looked at rest that way is because rest is a stop. Rest is to put on hold. Rest is I don't got time to stop. I don't got, I don't got, we can't afford to put on hold for a season. And then Hebrews 4.1 says that God is in the midst of that. He's not putting on your goals on hold at all. He's actually pulling you towards his goals. I was like, okay. And I realized that rest isn't a stop at all. That rest is actually a reset. And this is the revelation I got. That rest that God put in this rhythm right from creation for us to reset Every single week, it's a, ri a rhythm to reset. Reset what? This is why I read all these scriptures in, in, in 
Exodus, because in there are principles. See, we often read, I did anyway, often read the Old Testament, especially the Ten Commandments and all the rules in, in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all those rules and Deuteronomy, read all those things and going, well, that's, that's way for them. That's, that's the Israelites, that's a bunch of rules, that's more religion. Jesus set all that free, and I didn't really pay attention to all that, except for we're not supposed to read that as commandments for us. We're supposed to read them and see the principles. And in there, we see the principle that God put in place for Sabbath and that it was important to him that he had to repeat it seven times in just a few chapters in the book of Exodus. And that the principle is this a principle of reset. And one of the biggest principles of reset is that it's a principle of reset of trust. That every seven days, we need to pause we need to rest to reset our trust in God. That when God first introduced the Sabbath, he says, do you, I want to do this to test you. Do you trust me? That I am your supply. That I am your God who set you apart. I'm the God who calls you. I'm the God who provides for you. I'm the God. And that a weekly rhythm of this allows us to reset our trust. That if we get into the hamster wheel, and we get going, that it's easy to start relying on our own sources, on our own, uh, you know, things, and begin to trust ourselves, our skills, our, our jobs, our companies, our, the next promotion, whatever it might be, we can trust in that, and we forget who's the source of all that. And that weekly, this is a way to reset trust. It's also a way to reset health. That God knew this, he created us, and that he said you need to be refreshed. In fact, your animals need to be refreshed. In fact, your servants need to be refreshed. In fact, the foreigners need to be refreshed. In fact, the land needs to be refreshed. That he created this rhythm that we need to be refreshed. And we can, we can debate this all day long, but I'd encourage you to research productivity. And all the science and the university studies are putting out there and saying that our 24-7 work cycle that we have in our society today is not nearly as productive. And that all the science puts into, in, into place and in saying that you need to have healthy rhythms in order to remain optimal productivity. And that your body needs healthy rhythms or something, you're going to, your health is going to give out before it should. Okay, so it's a reset of health. It's also a reset of connections. It's a reset of, oh, I ran out of space. Reset of connections with God. That it's a way to reconnect with him, but it's also a way to reconnect with your family, with friends, that by getting off the hamster wheel, you can actually connect. Now, when I got this revelation, that, that this is what Sabbath and rest is all about, that reason why God put these rhythms in the place, I got convicted on another level because I looked at this and said, okay, well, what's stopping me from <clears throat> resetting and resting? And I realized that the biggest Demon, and I have to overcome is this. 
This little handy, lovely device is so convenient, it's, it's amazing. Because in this, I can do all the work. Even though I'm looking at, look at all the text messages that have come in already. I can do all the work from here. I have access to websites. I have access to emails. I have access to social medias. I have access to text messages. I've got access to all this. And people have access to me. And that I realize that this has become the biggest thing that has kept me from doing this. And this has also become the biggest culprit of eroding my trust, that I can put trust in Google to tell me what I need to know. I can put trust in YouTube for the information I need to know. I can put trust in reaching out to somebody. I, I, can, put, I, can, I can put trust in all the wrong places. Right? And sometimes, there's, sometimes it's good, but I forget and I neglect to reach out and number one, the, the number one problem is that I've forgotten my source. So in that conviction, I discovered a book. And if you're a reader or an audio listener, <clears throat> I'm choking over that one just to let you know. <laughs> I dare you to read it. Um, the book is by Tiffany Schlein. She's a, a Jewish uh, film producer. And she wrote a book called 24-6. And 24-6 is a book about how she discovered her Jewish roots. She's not a believer. She's not a follower of Judaism or at all. She's just culturally Jewish. But she discovered her roots, and she decided that she's going to take 24 hours off from this a week. And I went, I got, I got the shakes reading the cover. Because <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean 24 hours? What do you mean 24 hours off? What do you, like, what do you mean off? Like, like you're not going to make any calls? Like, what do you mean off? No, she means like, powered off in a drawer, out of sight, out of reach. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> I realized, hey, you remember, you guys were old enough to remember, remember when everybody smoked? <laughs> remember that? Everybody smoked? Just, it was just culturally there? You know what's worse than a cigarette standing in line at a coffee when, when, you're, when you're bored? Standing in line somewhere and just you have to grab a cigarette to do something. You know what's worse is that we can't <laughs> stand in line. We can't wait. We can't. We have. We can't have a moment's boredom because we we got the problem solved. We can find anything and everything we want right here. I was like, oh, 24 hours off. So I started. I dared, very nervously, started reading her book. And in her book, look at what she discovered. This is what she said: the benefits. Again, not a believer, not convicted by Sabbath. She calls it her text Shabbat because she's Jewish and Shabbat is Jewish word for Sabbath. This is what she said the results are taking 24 hours off of a cell phone. She said this, living 24-6 feels like magic and here's why. It seems to define the law of physics as it both slows down time and gives us more of it. 
I laugh a lot more on that day without screens. Okay? She goes on. I notice everything in greater detail. I sleep better. It strengthens my relationships. Uh-oh. And makes me feel healthy. And all of a sudden, I went, wait a second. And then she says, it allows me to read, to think, to be more creative and reflect in a deeper way. And then each week, I get a full reset. And I was like, I read this, and I thought, this, this woman doesn't even know that she's, she's saying stuff that God's up there going, duh, that's why I gave it to you from creation. And I'm like, I'm reading it and going, that I can read the Old Testament and going, well, that was good for the Israelites, and that was good back then, and that's my religious duties. And that Sabbath, that Sabbath, come on, is just going to church. That's what I grew up thinking. It's just going to church on Sunday that I fulfilled my Sabbath duties. And then I realized that the purpose of it is to reset trust with God, health, connections. And I realized, wait a second, the biggest culprit is this. And so... And so, I tried. <laughs> and failed miserably. I just got to say, I tried and my wife and I were laughing at each other. Because we're like, do you want to do this? You want to try this? You can do this? We can try this? I got to say, I did better than her. <laughs> She's not here right now. Just making sure. <laughs> but it sucks. It's hard, and I'm realizing this is more of an addiction than I thought. But here's the thing, and it's, I want to challenge you to discover this with me and to see, like, to talk about rhythms and getting our rhythms back and saying, is it possible? to get our rhythms back and to get in, back into the rhythms of grace that Jesus talked about, about taking Sabbath. And part of that is maybe, maybe getting free from our addiction. So if you dare, join me, because I'm going to keep trying. And if you fail, welcome to the club. But we're going to keep trying, because I think... I think this is vital for this. Here's today's takeaway. It's another quote from Tiffany Schlein. She said this, nothing is better for your computer or your body than a complete shutdown and restart each week. Imagine, imagine if we all made the effort to establish a healthy weekly rhythm of work and rest. I think it would deepen our trust in God. I think it would connect us deeper with him and with each other. I think it would help us reset our trust. And it might, it might reset our health, reset our relationships, reset our finances, reset our, it might suddenly become the solution that we've been craving. Let's pray. God, help. God, forgive me for 
being thick-headed and not seeing your way, neglecting your rhythms. God, I ask you for the courage to be able to do it, the wisdom to know how, the courage to follow through even when it's hard. We thank you, Lord. You care so much about every detail in our lives that you gave us a simple instruction, yet it's so hard to do. We thank you that you are helping us in this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite Joy to come. She's going to sing a song, and as she sings, I want you to soak in the words. But at the same time, I want you to reflect on your own rhythms and, and maybe, maybe begin working on a plan of how you can reset some rhythms in your own lives. Joy.
song you know I love it because it echoes the words of Jesus it echoes the very heart of Jesus himself and it's stated very clearly in the verse of scripture that we've been using as a foundation for this whole series are you tired are you worn out burned out on religion. Come to me. Maybe you're here today and you've never started a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've felt that there's no way that you could even come to him. And for some of you who are here, maybe some of you who are watching, can I tell you that this is your moment? There's a moment here where you get to make that step into a relationship with my Jesus. And maybe you thought that having that kind of a friendship was an impossibility for you because you're not worthy. You can see all the junk that you have in your life. You can see all the things that you carry, all the weights, and think, how can Jesus accept someone like me? And can I tell you that Jesus chose his followers despite their inadequacies. That in fact, he actively looked for people who were broken, people who needed a physician, not people who thought they had it all together. And today, if you're in that place, then it's a great place for you to begin that friendship with him. And it's not difficult. The apostle Paul wrote, in the book of Romans that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we're going to be saved. And it's not about joining a church. It's not about becoming part of religion. 
It's all about starting a relationship. And we're going to do that, give you an opportunity in our prayer here right now. I'd like everyone to kind of just close your eyes so that we can have a moment between God and ourselves. And I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to have you repeat it after me. Jesus, I've tried doing things my way. And it hasn't worked. I need you to save me. Right now, I declare, Jesus, you are my Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead so I could have life. My past is past. I'm ready for a fresh start. Thank you for welcoming me. I want you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment. Because if you are here today and you prayed that prayer and you made that decision for the very first time, we really want to help you on your journey. And part of that, that is just letting us know that you made that decision because we want to get a Bible into your hands. And just wherever you are, you can just lift up your hand and just wave at me and say, Pastor Jeremy, I made that decision today. If you're online, um, you can just cl click like under the comment that says, I've decided. And somebody will follow up with you.